is what Jesus said in John 10, verse 2. He says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I'm going to pause there for just a second. In Jesus' audience, they would have been very familiar with shepherd and sheep. I know in Phoenix, Arizona, 2022, we don't exactly see shepherd and sheep running around all the time. But his audience would have been very familiar with this. They would have known that shepherds name their sheep, that shepherds can speak to their sheep, and they have this incredible ability to distinguish the voice of a shepherd amongst other shepherds. I saw a video one time on YouTube, and it was several flocks of sheep, and they were all scattered together at a watering hole. And one shepherd stepped forward and started calling out to his sheep, and it was incredible. Just his sheep separated from all of the other flocks and began following him and he was able to lead them out through a gate. And so Jesus' audience, they would have known this. They would have seen this. So they would have been tracking with him naturally. But yeah, a sheep knows his shepherd's voice, and a shepherd does go out front and call them, and he knows each one of them by name. He's there when they're born. He nurtures them. He cares for them. He protects them. So they would have known that. But the last part of that passage said the Pharisees didn't understand what he was talking about. So Jesus goes on in verse 14, and he's just going to make it plain. He's going to take this natural truth, and he's going to share a supernatural truth. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. He's meaning not of a Jewish fold, the Gentiles. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. All right, so what do we learn about hearing God's voice from this passage? Well, first of all, we learn that hearing God is personal. He calls his sheep by name. It's very, very personal. God knows your name. He's your creator. He knows your identity. He knows what you've been through. He knows how to speak to you in a way that you'll listen, because hearing God is personal. And then we learn that God, he leads. He's out front. He doesn't push us into making decisions that we don't want to make. He's out front. And also, and I think this is really important here, Jesus says that his sheep will not follow another. So what Jesus is telling us is that we can distinguish his voice amongst other voices. And that's pretty uh, reassuring for me. And I I know talking at our table, we were saying... (laughs) One of the difficult things about hearing God's voice, is it me? Is it my own soulish desires? Is it the enemy? Is it God? That's the hard part, isn't it? But Jesus is telling us that we can distinguish his voice in this passage. As Christians, we have outer ears. All of us sitting here, we have outer ears. But we also have inner ears, the ears of our spirit. Our spirit is our innermost man. It's a place where God dwells and speaks to us. And this passage is indicating that we have inner ears. We have ears that can hear the voice of God. When we're born naturally, we're born with an ability to hear and communicate, and we have to learn and grow in that. When we're born again supernaturally, we become a Christian, we have the ability to hear God's voice and to communicate with him. 
And we have to grow in that, just like a, a child has to grow in communicating naturally. And so that's what today is about. It's about us growing as hearers of God. What I want to do is answer three really important questions. First question is, how does God speak? And I will spend half the message on that. So if, if you're looking at your notes and you start getting nervous, don't worry, that's about half the message. And then the last two questions are, how do I know for sure it's God's voice? And then number three, how do I hear God better? All right, so let's start with how does God speak? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. You ever noticed when you, whether you're reading your Bible or you're in a service like this or you're having a conversation with somebody who walks really closely with the Lord or listening to a podcast, if you feel like you've heard from God, what happens to your faith? It skyrockets every single time. Well, Scripture is telling us faith comes by hearing. It's hearing God that makes our faith grow. It's hearing God that really makes us have that personal relationship with him. So the first way that God speaks is through the written word. We know this part, right? God speaks through the written word. 66 books, really this is a library of books, but God is speaking through all 66 books, 40 different authors that God used and inspired to write this book over a thousand different years. So God is always speaking through his word. Sometimes people say, well, I can't hear God. Well, get your book out. Get the Bible out because he's always speaking through his word. Well, when we read the word, what do we hear? We're talking about hearing God. Well, we hear what God thinks. We hear how God acts. We hear how he behaves. We, we hear characteristics and we learn God's personality. We learn the things that he likes and the things that he doesn't like. We learn the boundaries that he's put around our life. And we learn that if we stay inside those boundaries, there's blessing. If we step outside those boundaries, we step outside of the blessing of God. But as a general rule, what we learn from the Bible is God's general will for our lives. There aren't necessarily specific answers. Have you ever done that where you're trying to find something specific? Like, I don't know if I, what job to take, and if you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. And you just kind of point and hope that God's going to speak to you in that way. That's not really how the Bible's supposed to, to work, right? Like if you're really depressed and you're like, God, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then you point and it says Jesus or Judas hung himself. That's probably not God's answer for your life, right? So um, this is God's general will for our life, but God can also speak to us in very specific ways. I was in a, a church service. This was probably 12 years ago with my dad. And um, this was before I was married and it was summertime. And so I would always go home for two or three weeks in the summer because I was a teacher. And so I remember getting up that morning, it was a Wednesday morning, and I was praying and I, I just felt like I had been doing everything I could to be in the will of God. And I had made huge decisions and taken huge leaps of faith and several years had gone by. And there were two desires of my heart that God wasn't granting. And I just felt like he had a carrot on a stick out in front of me. And I kept chasing after God. And he kept withholding from me. And so what I kept saying in my prayer time, this was one of those like pour your heart out to God prayer times. What I kept saying to God in my prayer time was, I feel like you're withholding from me. And I kept saying, I just feel like you're withholding from me. What would be so wrong for me to just have those desires? And so I kept using that word and, you know, finished my prayer time. And then that night, I was at church with my dad, and he marched us all the way down to the second row. And this wasn't the church that I grew up in, so I, I really didn't know the pastor at all. 
And he gets to the end of the service, and he's closing, and honestly, I wasn't really paying attention. I, I had a little Bible, and I was reading it. And then I heard my name in the microphone. He goes, Carissa? I was like, oh my goodness, what's, what do they do at this church? Like, I'm not, I don't even know this guy. And he said, I look up at him, and he says, your name's Carissa, right? And I nodded my head, yes. And he said, I feel like the Lord wants me to give you this scripture. He said, it's Psalm 21, 2. The Lord will grant your heart's desire and will not withhold the request of your lips. And he said, does that mean anything to you? And I just went, yeah. In that moment, even though Psalm 21.2 was written for all of us, it felt like Psalm 21.2 was written just for me. So this has God's general will for our lives, but also can be extremely, extremely personal. You know what happened to my faith in that moment? It skyrocketed because faith comes from, from hearing. And I had heard from God through that man. The second way that the Bible teaches us that we can hear from God is through godly people. And that story is an example of that. And God can use people in a variety of ways. Uh, I just mentioned one. That was really a gift of the Spirit. He had a, a word of knowledge. He knew something about me that there's absolutely no way he could know except that the Spirit of God showed him. And it aligned with Scripture because it was Scripture. And faith comes from hearing. It boosted my faith. So God can use people through gifts of the Spirit. He uses people through preaching and teaching. I'm sure we've all had that experience where we felt like the person speaking was talking just to us. He also uses people through godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. God will use mentors. God will use small group leaders, therapists, uh, coaches, friends. God speaks through people. It's one of the primary ways that he confirms the inward witness or the inward word that he's spoken to you. And then number three, I love this one. It's so broad, though. Number three is other ways. Other ways. In other words, God is not limited in how he can speak. Now, just think of us naturally. We're not limited in how we communicate with one another. We can talk to one another. We can text. We can write an email. We can, uh, you know, make a message in the sky with an airplane. We can sit across the room from one another if we know each other well, and something happens and we can look at that person that we know well, maybe it's a spouse, and just kind of give them a wink or a laugh or a nod of the head, and we just know we're communicating with one another. Well, if we're able to communicate with each other in these other ways, how about God? He's not limited in how he can get a message to you. In the book of Numbers, he audibly spoke through a donkey. In the book of Daniel, a hand appeared and wrote a message on a wall. Throughout scripture, we see that God speaks to people through dreams in the night. He speaks to people through visions in the day. We have those outer ears and inner ears. We also have outer eyes and inner eyes where God can show us a little picture as we pray that just brings an answer. Anybody have those pictures that God shows you when you're praying? Another other way is through open and shut doors. I was going uh, to a grocery store. This was several years ago. I was going into a grocery store, and we all know the grocery stores, they have that mat. You hit the mat, and the door just opens. So I was going in the grocery store, and the door was actually already open, so I didn't even think about it because I'm so conditioned. So I'm just walking, thinking it's going to stay open. And right when I got to the door, it slammed right in my face. I mean, just right in my face. 
and there was a couple coming out, and I heard the couple, uh, the wife say to the husband, you see that door slam right in her face? And just like that, the Holy Spirit said to me, that's, that's exactly the way that I am. If I want to open a door for you, I will open a door for you, and I will make it easy. When you're walking your walk of faith, you just walk, and I'll open doors. But if I want to shut a door, there's a direction I don't want you to go, I will shut it right in your face, and you will know that it is me. It's one of the ways that God speaks to us, through open and shut doors. And when we learn that when we're trying to push a door open and we don't have that peace and things don't go well, we start to learn, remember we're talking about learning, hearing God, to not push doors down anymore. And we also start to learn that when a door opens and there's peace, we walk through it, even if it's scary, right? So open and shut doors. Here's another way that, another other way that God speaks to us. I love this one. I call it God winks. These supernatural coincidences that there's no way that it could happen apart from God. And I love God winks because they're really personal. Just like a wink. If my husband and I are in a room and something happens, maybe that we've talked about earlier that day or something that's kind of funny and there's a group of people so we can't really talk or laugh about it. We just kind of wink at each other. We're communicating. I feel like God does that with us. It's, it's really personal. It's a way for him to say, I see you. I'm watching you. I'm with you. I'm in you. It's a way to encourage us and show love on us. I had uh, probably one of my favorite God winks ever this past February. I was kind of, kind of uh, give a little backdrop so you can understand how much this meant to me. About five years ago, uh, my husband and I, on our anniversary, we stopped at this renewal center in the middle of town. We were just wandering around there. We found this huge labyrinth. I'm not sure if you know what a labyrinth is, but it's you know, about the size of this room, probably, when they're done right, with rocks. And there's a maze in it. And then when you get to the middle, there's kind of a middle spot. And then you follow the maze back out. So it, when they're done in a Christian setting, which this was, it's, it's, it symbolizes a journey inward. And you kind of pray or meditate on a scripture. And then you journey back out into the world. And I love to pray and walk. I, I walk in our neighborhood. I walk at this uh, park by our house. So I love to pray and walk. So we find this labyrinth. I'm like, this is awesome. If we could get one of these in our backyard, I'd never have to leave our property. I could just be walking in circle. I might get dizzy, but this would be awesome. So we get to the, you know, get to the middle of it, and there's a rock there that said freedom, and I thought that was cool because you know, I teach this freedom course. And so that was just a, like a little cool thing. But then I was like getting really into labyrinths. So I'm like Googling, like, are there more labyrinths in Phoenix? And I was telling my husband, I said, next time we move, we're getting a big backyard because I am making a labyrinth in our backyard. So it was just kind of an ongoing thing, really just between me and God, because my husband wasn't really feeling it. You know, he didn't even do the maze. He just like walks right to the middle, <laughs> steps over. He didn't care. But it's just kind of a thing with me and God, right? And then another thing with me and God over the past five years, there's, there's a scripture in Revelation that says, to him who overcomes, I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on it. And I, I was praying one day and walking. This was, I was in Iowa, and I just felt the Holy Spirit said, go over there and I want to talk to you. And I, I walked over, and the back of the bench said, flying free. And there's that word again. And laying on the back of it was one white stone. And I had given, several times, given people white stone with that scripture. And so it was just already kind of a thing with me and God. I felt the wink that day. and So that's kind of a backdrop to this past February. I went for a hike near my house up to the top of this little mountain where I like to pray. And I'm up there praying. And you know how you have one of those prayer times? You just feel really close to the Holy Spirit. And 
I'm up there praying, and I'm up kind of high so I can see a lot, and I just hear the Holy Spirit whisper to me, go hike over that little hill down there, over that ridge. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm up here praying. I think that's God's voice. You know, sometimes you don't know, but, but remember we're talking about learning to hear. I'm like, I, it feels, Pete, I feel like that's God. Plus, I kind of want to hike that way because that way's home, and he's saying go that way. So I hike over there. I go up to the top of this little hill, and I'm thinking, well, nothing happened, and I'm really getting far from home. But then I just had this pull, like this knowing. You know, you just know. Go over the top of this ridge. So I go over the top of the ridge, and I look down, and it's only this big because I'm kind of high, but I can see that there's a huge labyrinth down there. And so, you know, God winks, right? I know God's like, I, I want to tell you something. I, and I'm, my spirit inside of me is kind of like on a trampoline, like, yeah, hey, this is, this is God speaking. So I ran down that hill. I get over to the labyrinth, and I get to the middle of it. And in the middle of it, I'm not kidding, this big, probably three feet, is a huge heart, and it's all full of white stones. And I just felt the tangible love of God I mean, it was just like a hug and a wink and a pat on the head and like, you know, pinching my cheeks. I just felt like the love of the Father. And it was a time in my life where I really, really needed it. But the scripture that I read at the beginning, where God calls his sheep by name, it was personal. Anybody else would have seen like, oh, that's cool. I wonder who did that. They just keep going. But to me, it was personal. And you know what the cool part was? It was Valentine's Day. And it just felt like a Valentine's Day gift from God. So what I'm saying here is that God is not limited on how he can speak. He, and he will speak to you in very, very personal ways. Amen? All right, here's the fourth way that God speaks. This is what we call the spoken word. In Greek, there's a, a word for word that's rhema. There's, there's logios and there's rhema. And I've heard uh, Rhema described like this. What is God saying right now? We know that God said this, and this is still alive, and this still speaks to us through his word. But also, what's he saying right now? He's not on mute since the Bible got finished written, right? He's still speaking right now. What's he saying right now? If you are in that place, you're like, God, do I take this job? Do I take that job? Is this the person that I'm supposed to marry? I'm not going to find their name in here. So God, what are you saying to me? right now. This is the preceding word, personal word from God. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, and that's rhema, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then in John 6, 63, Jesus says the words, this is rhema, that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. See, God communicates to us spirit to spirit. He's got to bypass our crazy thought life sometimes, our wild emotions, and he speaks spirit to spirit, to that deep innermost part of us. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about how we are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. But spirit is where God dwells. Spirit is where God speaks. And you may have said this before, something told me I should not trust that person. Or something told me not to let her get too close. Or something told me not to go there. And you've learned over time, hopefully, then when you listen to that something, things go well. And when you don't, it's the opposite, right? And it's typically because it's not a something. It's not a hunch. It's a someone. It's a someone because my sheep know my voice. 
My brother uh, was in a small group one time with this older woman, and she walked so closely with the Lord. She could just hear his voice. And she shared the story. She was at a construction site. And she, I don't know why she was at a construction site, but she was at a construction site, and she's standing there, and she hears the voice. And the voice says, take a step to the right. So she took a step to the right, and a huge beam fell right where she was standing. It would have crushed her. The only reason she moved was because she heard the voice, and she knew the voice. But as Christians, that's how we're supposed to do life, right? We're going through life. Carissa, take a step to the right. We take a step to the right. Carissa, take a step forward. I don't want to take a step forward. I'm really comfortable right here. And then the Holy Spirit keeps speaking. And, I, and we learn over time, like, if I, God will make us so uncomfortable in our comfortableness that we'll learn to listen to that voice. So we take the step forward. Carissa, take a step to the left. Krista, take another step to the left. I don't want to take a step to the left. That's scary. And then God will make us so uncomfortable where we're at that we finally take the step to the left. And we start getting in tune with the voice of God. And we start realizing he can see things that we cannot see because he's alpha and omega. And so we listen to the voice that's already ahead of us. He's the shepherd. He's ahead of us. He's leading us. And we learn to listen to that voice. My last year teaching... I taught for 12 years before I started doing full-time ministry. My last year teaching, uh, I applied to transfer in the school district. I had been at a, a school that was for kids that were kicked out of the other schools, so you can imagine how much fun that was. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to try a traditional public high school. So I interviewed for two high schools. The one was close to my house. It was juniors in high school, which was what I wanted. And the school was a little bit nicer, updated. The other one that I interviewed for was further away. It was the oldest school in the district, so it was a little bit run down, and it was freshmen. Sorry if you're a freshman. I was like, I just don't want to teach freshmen. Are they teenagers? Are they still kids? I don't know. And I was just kind of hard to teach freshmen. And so I knew, like, I wanted the first job. The first one called me back and said, we want to offer you the job. Okay, great. I accepted it, but then I had this angst about it. And then the second one called me and said, we want to offer you the job. And I had a piece about it. It didn't make any sense because it didn't check any of the boxes. But I had a piece about it. So I said, okay, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to call the first school back, tell them no. So I did. I go to the school. And the first week, honestly, I was like Fred Flintstone going in there. I was like, frickle, frackle, frickle, frickle. Like, why did I take this job? Why am I doing this? But then as the weeks went by, I noticed a really cute teacher directly across the hall from me. And then we got to be good friends. Then I found out he was a Christian. And the school year ended, and he asked me on a date. And then two years later, we got married. Woo! Woo. They like that story. But when I take it all the way back to the origin of how I met him, you know what it was? God's voice. It was simply that, take a step to the right. Take the second job. I don't understand. Like, I don't want to teach freshmen. I want to be close. Take a step to the right. It honestly was just peace. That was the only thing. I had peace about option number two. But God directs our step, and that's how he wants to speak to each and every one of us. All right? So that's the four ways that God speaks. All right? So we've answered question number one. I'll summarize real quick. All right? You are a sheep. You are wired to hear God's voice. There are four ways that he speaks, the written word, other ways, the spoken word. I skipped one. 
Godly people, don't forget the people. All right, so the second one we're going to talk about is how do I know for sure it's God's voice? This is the part that can get really tricky, can't it? Because if you're like me, you got a lot of voices running through your head. My mom's still in there and coaches and professors and all kinds of people running around in my head. And then our voices are really strong voice, especially with our own desires. And when it comes to relationships, that's a strong voice. And a lot of times we can confuse what we want with what God wants. Another voice is Satan's voice. But the difficult thing about distinguishing Satan's voice is that he disguises his voice. If he would just talk like the Grim Reaper or like the, the demon sound that you hear in a horror movie, it would be so easy to distinguish his voice, but that's not how he speaks. We'll get into this in, in a few weeks, but Satan originally was in heaven and he was kicked out. He, he's spoken to God face to face. He knows how God talks and how God communicates. And so to deceive us, he imitates God's voice, but his end is destruction where God wants to bring Life, And so we have to learn to distinguish the voice of the evil one. In your handout, there's a, a chart there that I just love to help distinguish his voice. God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you, wants you to make hasty decisions. God's voice leads you. Remember, he's the good shepherd. He's out front. Satan is that voice that's behind you. It feels like he's pushing you into making rash decisions. God reassures you. Satan frightens you. Satan, uh, sorry, God encourages you, and what that means is God puts courage in you. If he's asked you to do something or take a step of faith, his voice puts courage inside of you. Satan's the opposite. God's asked you to do something, he discourages you. He takes the courage out of you. He makes you want to stop. He makes you want to quit. God's voice comforts. Satan worries. God's voice calms. Satan's voice obsesses you. God's voice convicts. And Satan's voice condemns. And that last one is really, really important because we have to learn how to distinguish the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the evil one. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about sin, he'll point out something that we've done, say it's a, let's say it's a lie, and he wants us to know that there's something between us and God. So he'll point it out with the desire that we confess it to bring us back into intimacy with God. His desire is to bring us closer. Condemnation is the opposite. The enemy wants to point out what we did. We told a lie, but the enemy wants to attach it to who we are. So now we didn't just tell a lie, but we're a liar. And then the enemy uses that to try to push us away from God. You're such a liar. You're so unworthy. And then he throws in the shame. You should be ashamed of yourself. God doesn't want anything to do with you. And he tries to distance us from the Father. So distinguishing the voice of conviction and condemnation is huge because the voice of condemnation is what will put shame into our life. All right, so if you believe you've heard God's voice, I want to go through these four filters. These are very helpful to distinguish if you've heard God. Number one, does it agree with Scripture? The same voice that authored God's word is the same voice that says the whispers. It's the same voice that is the author behind the winks or behind other people speaking to you. It always has to align with God's word. He's never going to tell you something or have somebody tell you something that doesn't align with his word. And then number two is, does it produce peace? Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that word rule there 
it's, it's very similar to an umpire. So you think of a strike zone. If something, if a ball is in the strike zone, it's a strike. If it's outside of the strike zone, it's a ball. What Paul is saying is this is how God operates. His strike zone is peace. If what you hear, what you're experiencing is peace, it's of God. If it's not peace, it's outside of that strike zone. It's not of God. Now that doesn't mean peace means it's going to be easy. It's, a lot of times it's that peace that passes understanding. Now I know that I can do this because God's the source behind what was being said and God's with me. So I have this deep peace. Number three was it confirmed through fellow believers? We've already talked a little bit about that one, but there are three people in your life that God especially uses. One is pastors. That's his, he's, that's his will, that he'll use pastors. Another one is your spouse. Now, they can also be the voice of Satan, but for the most part... <laughs> joke. That was a joke. They are definitely somebody that God uses. I think it's actually God's sanctification process, right? To get us married. right? So pastors, husbands and wives. And then number three is parents to children. It's God's will that these people are used. Now, can they ever go sideways or even be abusive? Yes, they can. But when it's especially someone that's walking closely with the Lord, it's God's will that he uses those people. So if those people caution us, we should be doubly cautioned. If those people confirm, then we should feel like it's a double confirmation. Number four, was it confirmed through circumstances? This goes back to the open and shut doors. So you believe you've, you've heard God, you've heard the whisper, it aligns with God, God's word, other people have confirmed it, but then you go out to do it and it's just closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. You might have to step back and question, did I really hear God's voice? Because if he's the source behind it, it should, be, it should be panning out the way that he spoke it to you. Here's the last question. How do I hear God better? And this is the practical part of hearing God's voice. Number one is go to a certain place and pray. Both parts of that statement are taken right out of Scripture. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, Luke 11, 1 says. Jesus had a certain place that he went and he met with God. Like he had several of them. But it's the same for us. We should have a certain place where we go to meet with God. It might be a chair in the corner of our bedroom. It might be our back patio. It might be a labyrinth. It might be somewhere where we go hike. But there are certain places where we set apart to meet with God. And then scripture also tells us, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 6, when you go to pray, go into your room and close the door and pray. What he's saying there is shut out all distractions. Close the door. Don't take your phone in. Don't turn the TV on. Shut out all distractions. And I wish we could get to the place where we really understand who it is that we're speaking to. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one looking over our lives with the answers. The one who's able to speak and tell us, take a step to the left, take a step to the right. He, he, he's all-knowing, and he's a good father. And so we need to go into God's presence really with a sense of awe and worship and humility. Scripture tells us that our words should be few because of who we're in the presence of. And Jesus says that as well. Let your, let your words be few. God knows what you need before you ask. This goes into number two under this one, which is to get, in God's, get on God's frequency. We go to our certain place. We close the door. We give him our undivided attention. But then we need to get on his frequency. And I want you to, to think about this in terms of a radio if you have a radio station, you can tune it over here to 
let's call it 93.3, all about me, FM. You know, I can, I can go into God's presence, and this is what I want, this is what I need, and I, wa- I want a, a spouse, I want this, I need you to take care of this person at work, and be just like a list of requests to God. And there's a time and a place for that. We're supposed to take our petitions for, before the Lord, but for some of us, that's all we do. This is what I want, this is what I need. We're just asking, 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 and we're in a hurry. I got, I got five minutes, I got 10 minutes, and it's all about me. God's frequency, I believe, is over here on a totally different dial. He's on 101.7 REST FM. Robert Morris says, God speaks at the frequency of rest. And I believe that. Rest means slowing down to be with God. I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a hurry. I'm closing the door. I'm going to my certain place. I'm giving the king of kings my undivided attention. And I'm not going in there asking and doing all the speaking. I could speak to God for an hour. He can speak one word to me, and it can totally change my situation. So I'm going in there to get on his frequency, slow down, to set other things aside. And I should be doing this every day, entering that place of rest. And then once a week, you've got to get back to the habit of practicing Sabbath. We just slow down, let the world go away. Don't check our emails. Don't work seven days a week. God doesn't speak on the frequency of hurry, 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 run, 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 go, 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 build your own kingdom. God doesn't speak on that frequency. He speaks at the frequency of rest, of slowing down to be with him. Now, here's what I believe God wants to do when we get on his frequency. And when we get on his frequency, it looks a whole lot more like this. First of all, God speak. We're reading his word. He's going to speak through his word. God speak through your word. And then we go into the rhema word, and, and we don't start with, this is what I want, this is what, what I need. We start with, God, what do you want to say to me? God, what do you want to say to me? And we listen, and we wait for a word to come, or a picture to come. Bob Hamp, in his message on hearing God, he talks about how there's three types of learners, audio, visual, and kinesthetic. And he said, this is three ways God can speak to you. He can show you a picture in your mind. God, what do you want to say to me? He might show you a picture. Or God, what do you want to say about my spouse? And there's there's a picture. Uh, Some of us, he speaks to us in an auditory way. It's a whisper. Not an audible, but it's a whisper of the Holy Spirit. God, what do you want want to say to me? He might whisper something. And then another one is kinesthetic. So it's this knowing. This knowing. There's not, not a whisper, not a picture, but we just know. Luke 1.3, when Luke's writing the Gospel of Luke, he said, it seemed fitting to me to write this out for you. Didn't have a vision, didn't get an audible from God, he just knew. Could you imagine not having the Gospel of Luke? But he just knew. And so that's the way that God speaks too. And so we go into God's presence. You say, God, what do you want to say to me? He might give a picture. He might whisper something. There might be a knowing. And then if we don't hear anything, we take that as a cue for us to talk. God wants it to be a two-way conversation. Maybe we're going through a lot. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. Just speak. Just let it all out. But it's a two-way conversation, and we should start with, God, what do you want to say to me? But we have to be on his frequency. can't be a, drive, a drive-through quiet time. God, speak to me, but make sure that it's quick. All right? So get on his frequency. And then number three is confess what you hear. And this is, this is the most important one, I believe. So when we hear the word confession, Rochelle, you can 
go ahead and come up. When we hear the word confession, we typically think of one thing. What is it? Sin, right? We hear confession, we think sin. But confession should only be attached to sin if that's what God is talking about. So if we hear God's voice and he says, you told a huge lie yesterday, then confession is, I heard God say that. I, I believe that it's true, so I confess it to him. And then God says, you know, you need to go make that right with that person. I leave that place of prayer and I go obey. That's confession when it applies to sin. But confession is supposed to apply to all sorts of things. Confession actually comes from a Greek word, a compound word in the Greek called homologous. Homo means the same. Logios means the expression of what's in God's heart. So follow me here. What confession means is, I say the same thing that God is saying, and I agree, admit, and acknowledge it. So what if what God's saying to me when I'm over here on this dial is he wants to talk to me about the way that he made me? What if he wants to talk to me about a divorce I went through 10 years ago and I just can't let it go? What if God wants to speak to me about that? What if God wants to speak to me about a calling that he's had on my life and I've kind of known and I've kind of run from it, but what if he wants to paint that picture really, really clear? What if that's what God is saying to me? Well, then my response is, I hear that, I believe what he said, and I confess it with my mouth. We miss that part. We don't begin speaking back the other things that God says to us apart from sin. And then I step out of this place of prayer and I obey what he said. That's the freedom prescription. We position ourselves, we hear God's voice, we believe what he said. That's typically where we drop the ball. We just don't believe what he said. We confess what he said, and then we get up from the place of prayer and we obey it and live it out. This is what happened to Mary. Remember when the angel Gabriel came to her? And he said, you're, she said, he said you're gonna be with child, you're gonna give birth to a son. Is she hearing God's voice? Yes, the angel Gabriel is speaking to her. So she hears God's voice, and then she asks a question, because that's a pretty big assignment when you're a 14-year-old virgin. She says, how can this be? She's not disagreeing, she's asking a clarifying question. And Gabriel responds, the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you. He gives her some more details. Do you remember what she said in response, her confession? She said, be it unto me according to your word. That's the freedom prescription. We hear God, we believe what he says. She believed her assignment. She agreed with it, spoke it out of her mouth. She got up from that place and she obeyed that call in her life all the way to the cross. She was there at the foot of the cross. That's how you walk in freedom. Remember our description, the ability to respond to God as the person you were created to be. We position ourselves to hear when he speaks. We believe what he said. We agree with it. We confess it with our mouth, and then we obey it. We go back to the radio dials here. If I'm on this frequency, and I'm truly hearing God, and I'm talking to him about the things that he wants to talk about. Maybe he wants to talk to me about how I was parented, or talk to me about some things that were spoken over me that I've agreed and they've become my truth, but they're lies. God's speaking to me about those things and I'm confessing them back to him. That's what's gonna happen. He's gonna change the dial eventually and he's gonna go back to the frequency you were on 
and say, now ask me about getting married. Now ask me about that job. Now ask me about starting that business. I couldn't give it to you before because there were some things over here that you and I needed to deal with so that I could give you the things that you're asking for. So we start our journey to freedom with getting on God's frequency and asking him to speak. So that's how we're gonna close out today. We're gonna take a few moments and position ourselves to hear. So what I'm gonna ask you to do in just a moment, I'll ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, but there's two requests I have of you. We'll do this every week and we do it at the retreat is I don't want you to get uncomfortable in these moments. But this is an opportunity to hear God. Don't get uncomfortable. Don't get shifty in your seat. Don't check your phone. Like this is an opportunity to hear God's voice. What a privilege. What an honor. And then number two, don't be a spiritual peeping Tom. So don't think, well, I hope my husband's listening to this because he really needs to... Don't worry about don't worry about somebody else that's in the room and what God's doing. You just worry about you and God, all right? Don't be a peeping tom. So let's put the lights down if we can. We call these reset moments because in a moment of God speaking, you can reset your heart. All right? So I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to get comfortable. So just get comfortable in your seat. Put your feet on the ground. Move your chair if you need to. I want you to get comfortable in God's presence. Take some deep breaths in. Just remembering that you're breathing the breath of life. What a miracle that you exist. What a miracle that God created you. That he wants to speak with you. Just take some breaths in, take some breaths out. Remember that Jesus took his last breath for you. He loved you that much. He loved you that much that he would pay that high of a price. Or just get comfortable in God's presence. And what I'm going to do is give you a series of questions that I want you to ask God. I'll ask the question and then I want you to repeat these questions in your heart. And just listen for God's voice to speak. I want you to first ask God to show you that certain place where you can meet with him each day. you to picture yourself there just picture yourself there in the presence of God you're on his frequency you're tuning in to the voice of God I want you to ask him some questions I want you to ask God what part of my personality brings you great joy
Now ask God, what moment in my life brought you great happiness? what moment in my life brought you great sadness? God, what area of my life would you like to heal? God, what's true about me? As God begins to speak to you, I want you to confess what He's saying over you. Confess it back to Him. God, how much does it mean to you for us to spend time alone together? Lord, is there anything else you'd like to say to me in this moment?
Thank you for listening. We hope this message encouraged you. For additional resources or information on our upcoming events, head to resetministries.us. That's resetministries.us.